The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hey, what did they do to you? Hey, man. Forget him. He's out of it. You look pretty good. What are you, phase one? Phase one. The projects. You can't be more than phase one or two. You haven't changed enough yet. The project. Where are you from? From outside. Nobody comes from outside, not anymore. What's the project? <laughs> what is going on here? Nobody knows. They just take you away. Every time you come back, different. Come back at all. What's your name? Penny. Pretty Penny, my dad used to call me before they took him away. At least he never saw me like this. Come on, Penny, I'm gonna get you out of here. Sam, they run the project. You gotta get out of here. I'm not gonna leave you here to be turned into some kind of monster. You can't save us. Don't let them take you, too. Please. Hey. Where you been? Doing a little recon. What'd you find out? This is a freaking death camp. Got a lab filled with POWs. They're using them for some type of experiment, genetic engineering or something. I don't know, but it's bad. Well, we need to do something. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, January 7th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. It is now 2021, and we're about to enter... An historic period we might be able to call our own version of the Roaring Twenties. Two weeks ago we focused on the Great Reset, last week on the Great Awakening, and this week it seems that it's only natural that we now take a look at the next stage in that sequence, and that's something I would call the Great Reckoning, which shall begin to unfold in the coming weeks ahead. From the U.S. election to the COVID-19 fraud and scandal, and so much more, a great reckoning is about to visit us all. And by that I mean a realignment of reality with our perception of it. It's going on as I speak. Last week's conversation with Robert Vaughn got me to thinking about the moral question behind all of this. Are human beings really naturally good or are they naturally evil? Robert may have inadvertently, or perhaps intentionally, pointed to a very fundamental issue that confronts us all in the midst of this political crisis, human nature itself. And that, too, requires a great reckoning. And our soul-searching begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. And as always, of course, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. So what do I mean by a realignment of reality with our perception of it? 
Well, an example of that would be Robert Vaughn going through such a realignment by reconsidering that question. Are people naturally good or evil? Now, if he's changed his view from most people being naturally good to naturally evil, well, that's a major realignment, isn't it? I'm going to leave my own answer to that question for the final portion of our show today, but I raise it now because it's something we should all keep in mind as the show progresses, and you hear what other people are beginning to say about that very issue. I mentioned recently that I no longer find it possible to discuss the COVID-19 lockdowns in a vacuum isolated from what we are calling the Great Reset. There are so many elements to the Great Reset and so many players, it's difficult to keep up with them all, since all of these forces are at play simultaneously, yet we can only focus our attention on one at a time. And of course, the mainstream media continues to say almost nothing about the true nature of the Great Reset, and the daily barrage of useless COVID case reports continues unabated. It's just disgusting, all geared to frightening the public into taking a vaccine that is so risky, you know, it's really difficult to overstate the risk. And more about that a bit later as well. And, you know, always in the back of my mind has been the communist Chinese government, which is one of the major players in the Great Reset. And it appears to me that Canada is following the Chinese playbook on the COVID-19 lockdowns and mask mandates. And that's yet another discussion that demands our attention when time allows. And, and you know, I haven't even had a chance yet to adequately address Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his deep-rooted Chinese connections. He even had communist Chinese troops on Canadian soil and training exercises as the rebel media released recently. All of this is so outrageous and unconscionable that it's hard to even consider that any of this has been happening. And still, there are millions who believe that there's a second or third wave of a viral pandemic that has never really had a first wave, and which has been a fiction since the beginning, and that's no longer a conspiracy theory, okay? It, it is fact. And the people in that group who are still believing that, that we're in the middle of a pandemic that's got to do with a virus, they're still in the mindset of the Great Reset. And in order for them to return to reality, they will still have to go through a Great Awakening before any Great Reckoning can take place. And this is going to eventually happen to them at their own time and pace, or they will soon be the ones out of touch with the majority. And I do think that's where we're headed. And I see that as generally good news, but we've got a lot of bad times to go through yet. And of course there's Donald Trump and the U.S. election and the impact that that has on the whole Agenda 21 scenario. So where to begin? Even though the final machinations are now underway with respect to the U.S. election, I thought I'd leave my own discussion of that issue until at least next week, if not till after the election has finally been settled, for better or worse. But I haven't said anything about the election since we last discussed it back on November 12 and November 19, with both shows focused on the election fraud that has caused this whole election to be contested in the first place. And you know, nothing's really changed since then, other than the fact that we are now approaching that period of time when things are about to change. But for today, I'm going to refrain from discussing the U.S. election myself, but we'll leave that task to Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, who on her December 29th show pretty much summarized how things currently stand. And that's who we'll be listening to on this side of our upcoming bumper. And on the return side of the bumper, our attention will once again turn to the COVID-19 lockdowns as Britain's Dr. Vernon Coleman 
in his January 2nd commentary, assesses where that issue currently stands. I want to talk just a bit about what's going on in the United States. And for any of you who have given up um, on Trump being reelected and you're losing hope, I just want you to know that this is going to be probably one of the most exciting um, conclusions. And I think it's going to be epic. I don't think that we should give up. I think that we should stand firm. I believe that Trump won the election. I believe he won it by a landslide. What do I base that on? I've been watching tons. I'm talking hours of testimony that I put up on Facebook of the regular people who witnessed the fraud, who investigated the fraud, who, uh, who, who saw what was going on. And uh, let's say alleged fraud to make everybody in Facebook happy, okay? Alleged fraud. I, I don't see, though, how you can take all of these things that we're seeing and that are being put up on YouTube and the incriminating evidence and just ignore it. And so Trump is right to fight. And I believe it is his rightful place as voted in by the people of the Republic of the United States of America. And so that's what he's fighting for, that it doesn't matter what side you're on. Either you have character and integrity and you want the actual true result uh, to, to be supported and to put the rightful leader, the rightful president in place. Either you have that kind of integrity to want that or you don't. Over half of Americans now, a very, very high percentage and climbing because of the videos that are coming out, because of the expert testimony, because of those who were there and witnessed terrible irregularities, because of that, the integrity and the trust in the election process has been grievously compromised. We've got a problem, and that problem also affects Canada because Canada has to have the trust in the integrity of their elections as well. And when you have shenanigans like happened, I think it was 2018, you know, with the runoff for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada between Maxime Bernier and Andrew Scheer, and you have 9,000 or 7,466 votes, something like that, too many, too many that were on the voters list. That's a problem. What happened? Burn the ballots. So what do we have? I think we had the wrong guy put into the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. It, it is very important that I think that elections should just be hand counted. I mean, what the heck? Take longer. Look how long it's taken. Nobody seems to know the real numbers now anyways. So we've got a real problem with the certification process going on down there. But very, very good news. Um, let's look at uh, Rudy Giuliani and what he had to say this last uh, weekend. So starting after Christmas, this is really going to blow up. Because the evidence that all these um, crooked television networks, newspapers, big tech, and the leadership of the Democratic Party well, have, been, have been giving you is false. Giuliani and Trump's legal team are pushing state lawmakers to decertify the election results and potentially certify Trump as the winner of the states. He says the numbers were wrong, therefore they must be decertified. Decertification would require support from at least a handful of Democrats in most swing states, something considered unlikely. Giuliani says there are obvious election irregularities combined with many allegations of fraud. 
The stealing of this election is one of the most serious crimes against this country ever committed. The censorship imposed on this country may be even more serious. Giuliani remarked that he was not allowed as a guest on ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox News. He said all of this will be revealed to America all at once, and people will find it very shocking. He says to expect a dramatic January. At least nine House members or members-elect have pledged to contest electoral votes on January 6th. Giuliani says Trump's legal team will continue to expose election irregularities despite media censorship. He says, quote, this is going to be pursued. No matter what the crooked media tells you, it's a real case. Okay, so this is going to be exciting. Because what we have going on right now is absolutely a crime. I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to keep up with what's going on. The chaos is all deliberate, of course. As Jean-Paul Sartre pointed out, if you fill people with long-standing terror, anxiety and uncertainty, you'll eventually drive out their humanity and drive them towards madness. The endless promises are designed to create stress, disappointment and despair. It'll all be over by the summer. It'll all be over by the autumn. It'll all be over by Christmas. It'll all be over by Easter. Listen to me. It will never be over. Never. Because they don't want it to be over, the transient hope is part of the brainwashing, the psyop. The other day, a professor called Hugh Montgomery allegedly told the BBC that people who don't wear masks have blood on their hands. I'd love to have a chance to debate with Professor Montgomery. It would a be a pleasure to help teach him why I can show that masks do more harm than good. To help him understand why government propaganda isn't always what it appears to be and to teach him some facts that he may not know about hypoxia, hypercapnia and so on. Maybe the BBC, which apparently gave Montgomery airtime, would like to stick to its charter and provide the public with balanced reporting by allowing me a few minutes to explain why people who promote face masks have blood on their hands. But that seems unlikely. The BBC, which has a financial arrangement with Bill Gates, hasn't been within hailing distance of fair or honest for years. It's a propaganda unit for Agenda 21, disseminating lies and deceit with the same enthusiasm with which it suppresses free speech and truth. And those who wear masks have blood on their hands too because the masks cause bacterial pneumonia, falsely blamed on COVID-19 and lead us to lockdowns which lead to untold numbers of deaths. The mask-wearing, test-loving collaborators who roll up their sleeves and plead for the vaccine to protect them from a disease that has a 99-plus percent survival rate are the real killers because they're enabling and sustaining the lie. And doctors seem to have forgotten that someone with cancer is just as real and just as deserving as someone with the coronavirus. The suppression of news and debate and the demonization of those who ask questions prove that this is a fake a pandemic. Nothing in the mainstream media is trustworthy. The alleged figures for COVID-19 deaths are now mixed in with flu and pneumonia. 
If we had a fair crack at the mass media, this scam, this war, wouldn't last a day. What matters is that we constantly remind ourselves who our opponents are and what we're fighting for. Who are they? Well, they're a bunch of skulking baddies straight out of one of those older James Bond films. The ones where dear old Donald Pleasant sat with a fluffy white cat on his lap. And their aim, like the Donald Pleasant's character, is to take over the world and make a lot of money, though not necessarily in that order. The only difference is, is that in the Bond films the baddies have wonderfully exotic names like Scaramanga and Goldfinger, and today's baddies have common or garden names like, oh, I don't know, Bill or George or Charles. But in my view, today's baddies are worse than anything human beings have ever faced. No one has ever been as thoroughly evil as the politicians and scientists promoting the coronavirus hoax around the world. Never before have people been lied to so thoroughly, so consistently and with such evil purposes as we are being lied to by our oppressive, totalitarian, genocidal governments. Make no mistake, this is genocide. The COVID-19 fraud, the lockdowns and the abandonment of the elderly and the sick are resulting in the deaths of millions. In the UK, the National Health Service has become the National Death Service. They're killing the weak and the innocent because they can. Around the world, hundreds of millions are being condemned to death because of the indefensible response to an alleged disease no more dangerous than the flu. I have thought a little about how we can inspire ourselves to remember our roots. Our ancestors had Elizabeth I. Our royal family wants a global reset and a new world order. They believe the world is overpopulated, but as always, their hypocrisy is deafening. They talk much nonsense about global warming, but use more energy than a thousand less privileged families. We are ruled by a bunch of traitors who've sold our birthright. Then we don't even get the mess of pottage. I am staggered that the people of Britain rolled over before a ragtaggle army of the corrupt, the inept and the insipid. How did they fall for so many lies? Where's their courage? The cryptorchid bastards who wear their masks simply to avoid confrontation are betraying us all. Unless we fight hard and with determination, the year ahead, 2021, will be the last we live as free men and women. That's not rhetoric. It's fact. Not a happy picture he paints, is it? Over the past year, I've been following Dr. Coleman's commentaries off and on. I could see that he too, just like Robert Vaughn, had come to his own great reckoning about the nature of most of the people around him. His prognosis and his predictions were all right on the mark, but he found it alarming to discover just how compliant to arbitrary state orders so many of the people around him were, and he began to identify this with both stupidity and with evil, which basically are essentially indistinguishable in a lot of cases. But a question bears asking, is their blind obedience a sign of evil? I suppose it depends. In the light of knowledge of the real reasons behind the orders being given them, I would have to say yes. In the darkness of ignorance? Well, yeah, I'd say yes again, because you should never act out of ignorance, and if it's ever discovered by others that you do, well, expect to be abused by them. Now, in the light of false knowledge, what about then? I think it depends. 
you know? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So there's a line, there's a point at which you cross when the responsibility is always unavoidable, back to the individual. And if we want COVID-19 examples of evil, well, we've got plenty of them. I have viewed more flagrant acts of police abuse of power over the masking and lockdown regulations than I can possibly recount. It, it's amazing. Some are deeply, deeply disturbing, to say the least. And, you know, I thank God people have cameras in their smartphones. I mean, how would we otherwise know about this stuff? And better still, in a way that we can confirm with our own eyes. I became aware of the latest in a series of such atrocities just as we began production of today's show, when on January 2nd, apparently, an unidentified Toronto man in a parking lot at Bonte was arbitrarily arrested by Toronto police. So here's about one minute of a much longer exchange, which was witnessed by and posted to YouTube by someone from the Anti-Hoon-Hoon Club on January 3rd. Ah! You punched me for no reason, man. So obstructing a police officer. You got confused you under arrest for obstruction. Put your hands behind your back and don't resist. I didn't do anything. Now's not the time to negotiate. You understand? Yeah. We're filming. Go to court. All right. Awesome. I'm not under arrest. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Knock it off. I just Stand by your back. What the fuck are these cops doing, bro? Three cops? Second! What did he do? Can't find your back. I didn't do anything! For what? I didn't, sir, can you listen to me? I didn't do anything. Okay. You can't, you can't punch somebody in the face for that, sir. You can't do that. You're also not supposed to be out right now, eh, bud? Yo, 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 just chill, just chill. Go, go, go. He's literally punching him. No, call your supervisor. Stop resisting. This guy's not resisting at all, bro. He is resisting. He's not resisting. In response to the police actions, Freedom Party of Ontario leader Paul McKeever posted a comment to Twitter, which I noticed got a like from Ontario MPP Randy Hillier. And that tweet read, quote, These officers do not know the law. They need to be shown the door. The Reopening Ontario Act does not give police the power to arrest for not showing ID in a public parking lot. Nor does go F yourself amount to obstruction of justice. Hashtag on Polly, I blame at Ford Nation. <laughs> well, you can imagine my surprise and shock and sadness to learn only minutes after I myself learned about this incident on January 5th, that Rebel News reported that the arrested fellow in that audio bite we just heard had committed suicide. No details available, though, at the time of this recording. And once again, Paul McKeever tweeted, I know you guys will take no responsibility for this at all, but I have no doubt that, but for your clear abuse of government power, he'd be alive today. You seem to have removed from his mind any remaining belief that the people in power are good. At Ford Nation, at Toronto Police. Of course, Ontario Premier Doug Ford's latest COVID-19 lockdown has now been in effect across the entire province of Ontario since December 26. And the justification for the lockdown that he used is not supported by any of the evidence he cited, nor by a rationale based on cutting down COVID case numbers. I mean, that is so old and broken a record, I, I can't believe they're still playing it, but I guess it must still be working. However, let's consider the lockdown does mirror, in every respect, mandated lockdowns in Western nations from Europe to Australia, whether they have case numbers or not, and isn't that interesting? 
As I've previously noted, Ford's actions do not reflect an Ontario agenda, but rather a globalist one. He is acting no differently than Canada's Prime Minister Trudeau, who announced that the COVID-19 lockdowns serve as a great opportunity to enact the global Great Reset. Doug Ford, wittingly or not, is a puppet of this agenda and has wrought incalculable damage upon the province of Ontario. It was never necessary for Ontario to unthinkingly and uncritically follow the global herd of politicians legislating the destruction of their own economies. Arbitrarily passing laws and issuing rules and regulations that restrict our freedom of association and speech are never acceptable in a free society. Never. So for those who need reminding, remember that Agenda 21 is anti-freedom, anti-capitalist, and anti-human. And it is no longer possible to isolate the COVID-19 lockdowns from this agenda, which is not about a viral spread, but about spreading a political ideology of fascism. And that's why people are being forced to wear masks. No viral pandemic in the history of the world has ever generated a response as irrational and destructive as what we've all been forced to endure under these lockdown measures. And to add insult to injury, all of the COVID-19 restrictions are utterly useless and worthless and counterproductive in every sense of the word, as we've been documenting since last February and March. And there's, there's absolutely nothing scientific about any of it, and never was. This is a 100% political agenda. 100% political. Now, to expand on the theme of the whole COVID scandal... On this side of our upcoming bumper, here is Denny Rancor in conversation with Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on her December 29th show. And on the return side of the bumper, expanding on the larger picture again, is the infamous Alex Jones from his InfoWars radio broadcast of December 27th. Denis Rancourt, an expert PhD. He is a researcher uh, in Ontario. And welcome, Denis. Oh, thank you. And you are following very closely everything that we're going through in Canada. Could you tell us what you're seeing as some of the red flags or things that are concerning to you about how Canada is handling this whole COVID-19 thing? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a mess the same as it is in most Western countries. The whole episode of COVID-19 has been, has been nasty from the beginning. You have to understand that We've been dealing with viral respiratory pandemics and epidemics for a long time. And the scientists in the world, often coordinated by the CDC and the World Health Organization and so on, every time there's a pandemic, they write a report about what we should do better next time and what we should never do. Well, in 2019, the main report that was published by the World Health Organization expressly said, these are the things you should never do in one of these pandemics. Well, guess what? There are things we're doing and they decided to do contrary to science, contrary to what had been established that you should avoid. For example, contact testing. There is no circumstances where that is a recommended thing for viral respiratory disease. And that was explicit in 2019 in the biggest, most authoritative report you can have. Okay. What it, yeah. Contact tracing. That's what it, yeah. Contact tracing. So, so that is, uh, com- that is a ridiculous thing to do in a viral respiratory disease situation because transmission is not through contact in the usual sense. It's through aerosol particles. It's not a traditional contact tracing situation because very few of the carefully looked at cases are 
one person that's infected infects a, another person. There, what you have instead are super spreader events. So you have that mostly, most of the time, there is no contact person to person, but in, in certain hotspots, you infect a lot of people. That is the reality of it. Um, there are more and more really good scientific articles that are coming out and saying these things unambiguously. There's a review that was just published weeks ago that um, established without a doubt, it's, it's no longer a debate. Contact transmission does not occur in SARS, uh, COV-2, okay? It's not a thing. It's through the route of air that it occurs. Big review that establishes this. That means that uh, uh, cleaning surfaces and washing your hands all the time makes no difference because it's not about that. That's not how this virus transmits. And this is hard science. So what I'm doing I've, uh, as a scientist, what I've been doing is I've been reviewing the most recent, most authoritative papers that spell out these things and that show things that are contrary to what is being done. I've just written a paper, measures do not prevent deaths, transmission is not by contact, masks provide no benefit, and vaccines are inherently dangerous, a review of the most recent scientific literature. So when I say measures do not prevent deaths, there have now been, of the highest quality, large studies, two independent ones worldwide that have looked at all the countries and shown that stringency of measures like lockdowns and things like that, stopping people from transportation, all these measures have no detectable effect on deaths that can be attributed to COVID-19. So the science is, is done now. We know that this has no effect at all cause mortality, which is what I've analyzed in my papers as a function of time and as a function of jurisdiction, depending on where you are, what you find is that the signals there tell you that what killed people are the measures themselves. You get a, a very sudden and surge of all-cause mortality, guess when? Everywhere synchronously around the world, just days after the World Health Organization announced that there was a pandemic and that they told people to, to prepare their hospitals. So what people did in different jurisdictions is they sent infected people from hospitals and elderly people who have these viral conditions, they, they carry them longer and they're more infectious generally as a result. They sent them into care homes and then they locked those care homes down. So prevented any ventilation, no open windows, no open doors, they locked them down and basically that's where you had epidemics are in these care homes. In Canada, it's like more than 80%. That's what they did. And so you can see that surge of deaths coming in right after that date, no matter where you are in the Western world. The other aspect is that surge in deaths is very granular. By that, I mean it's incredibly different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So it's a huge thing in New York City, but if you go a few states aside, you, you can, you, there are many states, we, we looked at this and studied that there's more than 30 states that did not have COVID deaths. There is no anomaly that you can detect in the all-cause mortality. So it's very different from state to state, very different from country to country, very different from region to region within France, for example, which we studied. Now that is unheard of for a viral respiratory disease. You don't have granulity of the all-cause mortality deaths 
This is not a natural phenomenon. This is killing vulnerable people by infecting them, locking them in, stressing them out, removing their social contacts. It's killing them by the measures that you've applied. And this has got to come out. This has got, I'm, I'm working very hard to try to expose this as much as I can. It's, it's not enough to say that the measures didn't help. We have to admit that the measures actually were the main cause of harm and death in our societies. And we've got to, scientists have got to come to that conclusion. They've got to look at the data carefully and they will come to that conclusion. Understanding who the forces are behind the COVID-19 orchestrated hysteria and what their goals are, are absolutely critical if humanity is going to defeat this technocracy takeover. It is not COVID-19 that is conquering the world. It is the United Nations, Big Pharma, Big Tech, and the large banks that fund them that codified this sustainability post-industrial plan of the last 30 years their chief engineer and science officer carrying out the operation being Klaus Schwab. Working with Bill Gates and other top globalists, Klaus Schwab, through the UN, has been able to take over almost every major governmental medical decision-making process, putting the United Nations, Big Pharma, Big Tech, and other globalist corporations in control of seven and a half billion people's medical future. Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab are on record saying COVID-19 is only a pretext or a drill for the planetary takeover of every aspect of human life. Global social credit scores, tracking apps on all your phones, having to register online before you even leave your house or go to the grocery store. This is the technocracy. This is the global social credit score being hailed by Xi Jinping, now being adopted worldwide by Western nations. The United Nations, Schwab, Bill Gates, the Communist Chinese are all in an admitted consortium developing and agreeing upon a planetary world standardized ID, barcode, and QR code tracking system during phase one. Phase two is liquid nanochips in the vaccine itself, proving that you've been vaccinated, which then doubles as your medical passport. It is critical for you to understand that none of this is my opinion. The globalists have all written books and white papers detailing this takeover plan for more than 40 years. If they are successful carrying out their global COVID takeover, using the fear of the virus as the pretext for their authoritarianism, this will be the greatest crime and the greatest mass murder and the greatest redistribution of wealth from the common people and the poor to the so-called global elites the planet has ever seen. When you're told there's a lockdown or that small businesses are non-essential or that you're non-essential to save lives, you have to counter with the facts that it's all a giant statistical fraud and that this virus isn't even as dangerous as the flu and that the system doesn't let the public know that 80 plus percent of those dying from the virus were deficient in vitamin D3 and that the people wearing masks in major studies, even written by Fauci in 2008, admit that most of the death is called by bacterial pneumonia breeding in these filthy face diapers.
COVID is already shaping up to be the most deadly virus in world history. Not because it actually kills people, but because the hysteria associated with it is causing civilizational collapse. We had more than 37,000 videos posted on our main YouTube channel and 5 billion views when it was deleted three years ago. But more and more, citizens are going out on the web and finding in the far corners and hidden places broadcast where I specifically warned of the operation now unfolding. But uh, Rockefeller study envisions future dictatorship controlled by elite, millions being killed, mandatory quarantines, checkpoints, the end of the family, everything that's in the other documents. But uh, this dovetails with all the other Rockefeller Foundation documents about the GMO food to sterilize you and the forced vaccines and the hell we're already living in that's just going to continue to intensify until we take our governments back uh, from these eugenics madmen. The good news here is really the bad news. It's all that classic paradox. The gloves are off. The mask is off. The New World Order is absolutely evil. wants to depopulate you and your family while they transfer all your wealth to them. They've stolen the planet. They just see you as like roaches that are in the pantry that have gotten into the food they own. They see you as mindless little parasites that are so stupid, you'll never stand up for yourselves. The good news is... We are seeing the complete opposite. People are awakening massively around the globe to the New World Order. When I go on YouTube or I go on establishment websites, 90-plus percent of the comments are against Gates. They're against the New World Order. They are against Xi Jinping. They understand what's going on. And so that learning curve that was very, very slow before is now exploding. And that's the way it always works. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And I sure hope that Alex Jones is right about the fact that more people are experiencing their own great awakenings, because only then can the great reckoning become a reality, one that falls on the side of justice. The flamboyant and often outrageous Alex Jones has hit the nail on the head with the analysis you just heard, and that's just one of the reasons he's constantly being banned and dismissed by the mainstream media. That stuff about the Rockefeller study is particularly chilling and coincides frighteningly with the analysis made by Lord Christopher Monckton back in 2012 and which we featured on a recent broadcast. So again, to forget that this is what the COVID-19 distraction was meant to distract us from is to miss the whole point of the pandemic. Which brings me back to that distraction, COVID-19. Measures do not prevent deaths. Transmission is not by contact. Masks provide no benefit, and vaccines are inherently dangerous. That's the title of Denny Rancor's recent paper, and it also succinctly summarizes the truths and the realities about the whole pandemic. There you have it. Four sentences, things we've been saying since the very beginning of this whole criminal action. Now, I found it significant in a portion of Rancor's discussion that I did not play in our selected audio bite today, that he noticed that the World Health Organization had changed the definition of the word pandemic 12 years earlier. They changed it from meaning, quote, a disease that spreads worldwide and which leads to many serious illnesses and deaths, end quote, to, quote, a worldwide disease only, end quote, with the seriousness of illness and deaths no longer being required, no longer a concern. And no explanation was given at the time of this definition change, he says. Now, when I first began covering the pandemic earlier last year, 
I used the revised definition in my own analysis, which didn't seem to me at the time to be all that unusual. But considering the history of this definition, it has suddenly become significant. It's just part of the epistemological warfare that's being used to control people through simple definitions. I recall earlier last year trying to alert our listeners to the fact that, hey, just because it's a pandemic, it's nothing to really worry about because all that means is that a lot of people are getting this virus. It doesn't mean a lot of people are getting sick or dying from it. And I was able to say that given that definition that the World Health Organization was giving. I mean, after all, that's the official definition. But of course, that is not the average person's understanding of the word pandemic, since they would relate their understanding to the original definition, which in retrospect makes more sense, doesn't it? But here was the con. By changing the definition of pandemic to a worldwide disease only, the World Health Organization cleared the way to declare a pandemic without having to demonstrate any sickness or death associated with it. It's kind of like evidence of, you know, a premeditated crime in a worldwide mass murder plan, as Alex Jones called it. This is the same epistemological fraud still being used by our politicians in the Agenda 21 crowd today. They change the definitions of COVID-19, the definition of SARS-CoV-2, the definition of the word case. Case, as simple word as that. And you, and you can control half the world. And even the definition of testing and its variants is being changed. All of these things were being done with a single goal in mind, to distribute and administer untried and untrue vaccines to an unsuspecting populace. We already know the vaccines are not for COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, or whatever term they're using to describe their virus, which is now mutating, of course, a natural process that the globalists are still trying to terrify us with. And now we're hearing constantly changing definitions and concepts and objectives regarding the vaccines themselves. Already many of you have been sending me links to stories and videos about the serious side effects, the illnesses and deaths already being associated with the vaccines. I would cite them for you, but they just kind of make your eyes glaze over like another set of statistics that sound so much like the fake COVID-19 caseload stats that we keep hearing about. They're also meaningless and impersonal. Unlike this testimony from a nurse in Tennessee who released a video about her personal experience with the vaccine. Hi, I am a registered nurse in Nashville, Tennessee, and my name is Kalila Mitchell. I'm reaching out to everyone about the COVID-19 vaccination. I recently took the COVID-19 vaccination after the shot, I felt fine, but within three days, I went to the doctor because I had problems with my face. The whole left side of my face, actually. Um, I have Bell palsy now. And as you can see, I can't smile. I'm trying to smile. I'm just kind of embarrassing for But. I just want everyone to know that I think this vaccination is the worst thing ever. And I would not give this to anybody, even my worst enemy. Please, America, they do not care about us. Do not take this vaccination. Well, simply heartbreaking.
I have to ask, does the risk of getting something like that, and a whole lot of other things, by the way, even compare to any risk involved in catching a seasonal flu like COVID-19, no matter how bad you may think that flu is? I wouldn't compare those two things. I'd go for risking the flu any day of the week, comparing to the risk of taking this vaccine. And to add insult to all of the injuries and the deaths, now the World Health Organization is making it loudly clear, which it's been doing since the beginning, by the way, but nobody was listening, that getting a vaccine will in no way regain you your freedom. You will still have to wear masks. You will still have to social distance. You'll have to be traced. You have to carry these cards. You have to keep getting vaccines over and over again. And you have to keep engaging in all of the other self-destructive behaviors they want you to depress yourself and kill yourself with. The vaccines will neither prevent you from getting the virus, spreading the virus, or even getting the flu associated with the virus. They're telling us this. This is a perpetual vaccination plan, one that has been on the books of the globalists long before this pandemic ever surfaced. And you know all of this is being said to us by the very people ordering and administering the vaccine. And what's their justification? Well, they're doing it to save lives, don't you know? I mean to call this a crime against humanity is yet another understatement, but that is exactly what German attorney Reiner Fulmich called it in his own video production of October 27. Hello, I am Reiner Fulmich and I have been admitted to the bar in Germany and in California for 26 years. I'm also one of four members of the German Corona Investigative Committee. Since July 10th, 2020, this committee has been listening to a large number of international scientists and experts' testimony to find answers to questions about the corona crisis, which more and more people worldwide are asking. This corona crisis, according to all we know today, must be renamed a corona scandal, and those responsible for it must be criminally prosecuted and sued for civil damages. On a political level, everything must be done to make sure that no one will ever again be in a position of such power as to be able to defraud humanity or to attempt to manipulate us with their corrupt agendas. And for this reason, I will now explain to you how and where an international network of lawyers will argue this biggest tort case ever, the corona fraud scandal, which has meanwhile unfolded into probably the greatest crime against humanity ever committed. Crimes against humanity were first defined in connection with the Nuremberg trials, after World War II that is, when they dealt with the main war criminals of the Third Reich. Crimes against humanity are today regulated in Section 7 of the International Criminal Code. The three major questions to be answered in the context of a judicial approach to the corona scandal are, one, is there a corona pandemic or is there only a PCR test pandemic? Two, do the so-called anti-corona measures, such as the lockdown, mandatory face masks, social distancing, um, and quarantine regulations serve to protect the world's population from corona? Or do these measures serve only to make people panic 
so that they believe without asking any questions that their lives are in danger so that in the end the pharmaceutical and tech industries can generate huge profits from the sale of PCR tests, antigen and antibody tests and vaccines as well as the harvesting of our genetic fingerprints. And three, is it true that the German government was massively lobbied more so than any other country by the chief protagonists of this so-called corona pandemic, Mr. Drosden, virologist at Charité Hospital in Berlin, Mr. Wheeler, veterinarian and head of the German equivalent of the CDC, the RKI, and Mr. Tedros, head of the World Health Organization, or WHO, because of Germany is known as a particularly disciplined country and was therefore to become a role model for the rest of the world for its strict and, of course, successful adherence to the corona measures. Answers to these three questions are urgently needed because the allegedly new and highly dangerous coronavirus has not caused any excess mortality anywhere in the world and certainly not here in Germany. But the anti-corona measures, whose only basis are the PCR test results, which are in turn all based on the German Drosden test, have, in the meantime, caused the loss of innumerable human lives and have destroyed the economic existence of countless companies and individuals worldwide. something else. What do you remember from your life? Seriously, what do you remember? Do you remember sitting and doing nothing? Thousand times. Do you remember that? No. I hope that you don't remember that. I think that maybe you remember first kiss or good kiss or prom ball or um, I don't know when you got your degree or when you achieved something and when you climbed some mountain and when you Overcome the fear when you draw the car 200 miles per hour, however your car can go faster. What do you remember from your life? What do you want from your life? Do you want to be protected? Okay, protect yourself. But why do you think that you have the right to order other people to protect you? It, it makes no sense because we have never implemented a system like that. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, People are dying in car crashes. Why don't we stop driving cars? Why don't we limit the speed on highway on 30 miles per hour and nobody's going to die? Would you accept that? Would you accept uh, government to interfere with your eating habits? Would you accept uh, government to interfere with your working habits? Good, go to North Korea, go to Soviet Russia. They had that system, it was wonderful. So much that in Soviet Russia, they needed to create a wall in Berlin to keep people inside. It was so good that people used to risk their lives to escape from that hell and you want to create that hell. All because you want to listen to the experts. What experts? Who are they? They are experts in what? They are working for the government. They are not entrepreneurs, they are not small businesses, they are not contributing to society in some special way, they are just doing some mediocre job. You want to listen to them? If they were good, they would do something else. Don't you get it? They are living in perfect communism. Because there are classes of people, there are no individuals anymore. 
in their worldview, they, we all should stand for this. And no, we don't. Our society was thriving with the principles of freedom, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Nobody defined you what is liberty, nobody defined you what is pursuit of happiness. Nobody told you that you will be happy. You only have the right to pursue it, whatever you define as happiness. Those were your rights. And that's it. If you want to believe to the experts, go ahead, believe. If you want to believe in cult, go ahead, believe in cult. If you want to believe in Marxism, go ahead, don't. But go ahead, you're free. I believe that you're free. Because if you are not free, then who is going to decide your needs? Who? The government? The experts? Who gave them power? Have you elected them? No. Who gave them power? And they are going to do what? They are going to penalize you? They are going to imprison you? Send you to Siberia? Are they going to kill you? Burn you alive? Why not? Why not? Why, do, why are you so arrogant that you think that it is not possible? It happened in 20th century. Our grandparents were doing that. And in my country and many other countries, generation of our fathers were doing this. And in Syria, Armenia and Azerbaijan, today, my generation is doing this. People are nasty creatures. They are not peace-loving. They don't try to hire good all the time. And you don't want other people to have power over you. Boy, that's for sure. That was the voice of Alexander Savic from his own October 13th YouTube post about the COVID-19 fraud. But all this brings us back to our big question regarding the nature of human beings. Are we really good at heart or are we evil? Consider some of the comments expressed by others on the show today. Dr. Coleman, no one has ever been as thoroughly evil as the politicians and scientists promoting the coronavirus hoax. Never before have people been lied to with such evil purposes. And Laura Lynn, either you want the actual true result in place or you don't have any integrity. Or in other words, you would be evil. Or Alex Jones, who says the New World Order is absolutely evil. And of course, people are nasty creatures, not peace-loving, suggests Alexander Savick. And what do all of these instances of quote-unquote evil have in common? They all occur under tyrannies of some degree or another. Now I have to agree with Robert Vaughn when he said that many people are demonstrating themselves to be evil under this pandemic lockdown. And I agree with all the pundits and the commentators who have repeatedly labeled what is going on today as evil. But is the nature of people to be good or to be evil? Now I would say neither. Because evil and good are not natures even though it's acceptable to refer to them in this way when referring to specific people or personalities. Good and evil are choices, and those choices can only be rationally made on the basis of accurate knowledge about what one's alternatives are. The standard of all that is good is life itself. If we weren't living biological beings, morality would be unnecessary. Values would be unnecessary. Purpose and the pursuit of happiness would be meaningless. Happiness is only possible through accomplishing some kind of achievement, goal, or objective. That's what Alexander Savick was getting at when he talked about, what do you remember about your life? And of course, evil is a standard based on death, or at least on an abandonment of any life-based morality. 
The nature of all living organisms is to survive, thrive, and replicate. Human nature has one additional attribute, reason, and the ability to project our awareness into areas that are beyond mere perception. Human beings, you know, we can become aware of, without direct perception, the other, something outside of the self. We can make ourselves aware of things like singular stars and planets in the universe, galaxies, the force of gravity. Human beings can also project your consciousness into the determined past or into an indeterminate future, whether we're talking about minutes, hours, years, centuries, or millennia. We are, in this respect, knowledge-based creatures. And as we know from both theory and practice, knowledge flourishes in a free society. But on the potential of human beings being good or evil, my short answer is that people are really only quote-unquote naturally good when in their natural state. And that is a state of freedom. All people become corrupted and increasingly evil when placed in an unnatural state, a state of imprisonment or a tyranny. For example, when Dr. Coleman quoted John Paul Sartre, if you fill people with long-standing terror, anxiety, and uncertainty, you'll eventually drive out their humanity. And I think that is in large part what we're seeing in this unusual emergence of evil about us. Even in nature this principle holds true. A wild animal that's free is far less a threat than a wild animal cornered or caged. And when we see either animals or people in cages, we are not seeing them in their natural state. And we might draw a lot of false conclusions about their nature if that's the only environment in which we can observe them. In a state of tyranny, evil manifests itself both top-down within the elite and bottom-up within those people who have accepted their lack of freedom as being normal. The view from the elite top has long been known. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and they exercise this power through controlling others. But as we are now discovering, the view from the bottom is no different. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, except at this end. This power is exercised through submission, as strange as this may sound, and often those being forced to submit similarly find themselves forcing others to submit. Sound familiar? If we want to live in an environment where human beings can be said to be naturally good, then we have to create an environment that lets human beings express their real nature, and that's in an environment of freedom. In the political environment we currently find ourselves, perfectly normal, peaceful, and good actions have become criminalized, from opening your store to walking across a parking lot. When normal, life-affirming activities become considered morally offensive, don't be surprised when evil becomes the new normal. And that is a great reckoning that will help us to understand our true moral natures. And I know I haven't come close to expanding on this theme in a way it fully deserves, but hey, time's running out and we'll have to continue that discussion when the opportunity next presents itself. So in anticipation of that possibility, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be I live in Seattle, and uh, I'm kind of a libtard, but I'm glad that Oklahoma is a red state because I need places to perform. <laughs> so it's like, it's very, I'm like, we need each other. Uh, yeah, comedy's illegal in Seattle. All the comedy clubs are shut down, but 
I'm hoping this will make me sound more interesting on first dates. If a girl is like, what do you do for work? I'm like, what do I do for work? Well, we probably shouldn't talk about it here. That's <laughs> kind of illegal. She's like, oh, so mysterious. Am I dating Batman? Yeah, I am exactly like Batman. If Batman took his parents' money and started a podcast, we are the same, exactly the same.